You're listening to a real piece of work. (laughs) I probably shouldn't say it that way. You're listening to a real piece of work, a jobs podcast for aspiring professionals brought to you by WVIK, Quad Cities NPR, and Junior Achievement of the Heartland. Now here's your hosts, Matt and Joy. Well, hello, Matt. How are you today? I'm doing pretty well, Joy. You know, just one more beautiful summer day here in Iowa. And uh, kind of excited here today because, uh, you know, we we welcome many guests to this program. This one is pretty unique. And when I say unique, um, I'm going to, this is an ode to my father-in-law, Wendell Goodhart, who's connected to our guest because his father and my father-in-law were both in pharmacy school at Drake University years ago and has in many ways because of Charlie's father we are talking to Charlie today so um, I had the pleasure of actually walking my father-in-law into a CVS pharmacy a little over five years ago and watch him fax his resignation to CVS after 40 plus years of servicing many, many customers that he absolutely loved. And it was kind of a tear jerk moment. So I'm kind of curious what got uh, Charlie into this world, but um, that's a bit of my background and excitement for this interview. How about you, Joy? Um, Well, my excitement, it's actually kind of funny because I forgot about the other connecting piece that you just mentioned, Mr. Wendell, but I was a pharmacy technician through um, high school and college. My junior year, I was actually hired at the Jewel Asco Pharmacy and uh, stayed on for about seven years. And so I've always kind of had a love and interest. Um, and so I worked with Wendell, um, <laughs> long story short. Oh um, and I didn't realize this until I was walking, you know, with Melissa there along the road and we're talking about our history and it's, oh my gosh, I used to work with your dad at the pharmacy. Um, so a small world, um, but really excited. Charlie, thank you so much for um, being on this episode of A Real Piece of Work. And um Yes. So yeah, I guess what, let's dive right in. Um, tell us, well, you, we already know your ties to Matt now. You didn't even know that you were tied to me somehow, but, <laughs> <laughs> but apparently now you are. So, well, you know, when I first knew Wendell, I was probably in diapers. <laughs> <laughs> I got you both beat. I know I've not, this, we should call the Wendell podcast. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So Charlie, tell us what, like uh, on paper here, I'm, I'm reading CEO of Hardy drug company. What the heck does that mean, man? Sure. Um, so, I mean, to, to understand kind of the role, I think you have to understand the company just, a, just a bit. And for the listeners that are maybe in the quad cities area, they maybe aren't as familiar with Hardy drug because we're not really in that market. Um, so Hardy drug is a, uh, fourth generation family owned, uh, chain of pharmacies. Uh, we, we have uh, 24 community pharmacy locations, um, and those kind of range from smaller towns on main streets, the, the ones you see in, in many, uh, you know, towns of 5,000 or less around the, around the area in the tri-states, to uh, corner stores that look just like a Walgreens or CVS, very, very similar um, in terms of structure. And so Hardick has the community pharmacy locations. We have um, long-term care pharmacy locations. And we have um, our own warehousing locations as well, um, along with a few other uh, businesses that are that are that are ancillary and supportive. Um, so, be, but being the CEO of Hardy Drug, th- those operations do uh, roll up and report to me, uh, and it's 
what is what is it like being a CEO? It's it's a it's busy and it's fun and it's challenging and uh, no day is the same. Um, and those are those are the interesting parts of the job. Uh, there's there's tough parts and great parts and and all in between. And um, it being a, a kind of a what I would consider a middle market company or maybe a small to middle market company. Um, as a leader of the company, you wear a lot of hats. Um, there's not necessarily a department for every every issue. So many times those departments fall to the leadership to either delegate to delegate or make decisions or to uh, work through issues or problems or opportunities. So that's that's a very big, broad answer for you, Matt. And I'm happy to get more granular um, with some of your hard hardball follow-up questions. <laughs> so I'm the more curious one. I'm always the one that has follow-ups. I feel like Matt's like waiting to, to talk and it's always me. So your career journey, tell, I, I, listeners like to know, I like to know kind of what, what's your, what's the career journey look like for you? How, you know, where did you start at? When did you decide what you wanted to do? Um, some of those bits and pieces. Yeah. Um, so I, as I mentioned, Hardy Drug is a fourth generation family owned company. So my brother and I are both involved and own, own Hardy Drug now. Um, we, we, you know, acquired it for my dad. And um, it's, and I'm a pharmacist as well. So, um, you know, it's something we've kind of known we've had an opportunity to, to do for quite a while in our lives. Um, people always ask me, you know, I'm 38 years old and they say, you're pretty young to run a company. And I said, yeah, but I've been listening and watching since I was eight, right? So around the dinner table, we talked about AWP and MAC and WAC and this drug and that drug. And and, and so we, we were pretty well versed at a, a young age in kind of the the, the basics of what pharmacy operations, you know, were at the time. Um, and a lot's changed and, you know, and that's, that's exciting and keeps the job exciting as well. So in terms of a trajectory, you know, it was kind of always a, an option or a, a possibility that my brother and I would be involved in the family business. Uh, and then I like to say, you know, as we've, you know, as we matriculated through high school and we went to college and higher education and, and, and actually then went out in the business world, you know, both of us had multiple opportunities to basically not uh, work in the family business. Um, we both had pr pretty good careers uh, in different areas. I was a, a lawyer, actually, so now I'm a reformed lawyer uh, for, <laughs> for CVS. And uh, my brother was a banker by, by training and trade. And so we came back into um, family business in a pretty complimentary way. And that's kind of how we, we made it. We, we made it. Uh, through that process. I went to Drake and Des Moines for pharmacy school, go Bulldogs, and uh, then went on to into St. Louis to, to, take, to get my law degree. And uh, then I, from there, uh, I, I made the decision not to go straight back home to work. I, I just kind of thought it'd be a good idea to, to learn from other folks and see how other organizations uh, manage and run uh, their business as well. And I worked in two, three different pharmacies uh, when I was doing that. Three, so, I should say three different pharmacy organizations. Got it. Got it. Express That's a lot Thirty-eight years. <laughs> so, Curly, uh, I, I'm not going to try to pin you down. We always have a question that we like to ask folks: of you know, what's the the earning potential? If if you could, just in general, when it comes to if I'm working in one of your uh, stores in terms of job opportunities and then earnings potential, whether it's on the retail side or on the corporate side. Can I make a couple bucks in, in your world? Yeah, you definitely can. Um, so the, you know, for this interview, I did just double check my math. 
So the average pharmacist um, in the country by Bureau of Labor Statistics makes 123,000 and change a year. So that's uh, right out of pharmacy school. Most people are a little bit lower than that. And as they progress in their career, they're, you know, they're, they're, if you're maybe a pharmacist in a community pharmacy setting, or if you're a pharmacist in a hospital setting or uh, someone who maybe works in, in other various non-traditional setting as well. Um, ph pharmacists, you'd be surprised, but there are pharmacists in nearly every aspect of the pharmaceutical industry. So there are lots of pharmacists that are hired by, for example, Pfizer and Merck every year. Uh, there's also quite a few pharmacists that are in hospitals, not just filling prescriptions, but also working in analytics and looking at formularies. Mm -hmm. Similarly, in community pharmacy, those, those same non-traditional roles uh, exist as well. And so those are the opportunities that, you know, as a staff pharmacist, you're, you're in that range. And, and what you see is many times in the non-traditional roles, the, the salary ranges are similar uh, at the start, uh, and maybe even a little lower, but the potential for, for advancement is usually accompanying those non-traditional roles too. So along with that, what about schedule? And obviously Matt, Matt, reference that there's different positions within a pharmacy everything from like i was a pharmacy technician right up to different roles but um what does a, a typical schedule look like is it your typical nine to five it's it's not usually a typical nine to five um and that kind of transcends you know with the exception of maybe a non-traditional role where you're in an uh, in an office setting you know most pharmacists are working uh healthcare hours you know the same as a nurse or a doctor or um, other types of professions like EMTs that are just that, that essentially have to be on call because people don't get sick from nine to five, unfortunately. So, um, you know, most community pharmacies are have core hours right, anywhere from eight to eight kind of in that range is pretty normal. And uh, in hospitals, uh, most most large hospitals are open 24 uh, seven. So there are hospital there are hospital pharmacists who regularly do a what's called a seven on seven off shift where you work from 10 p.m. till 10 a.m. seven days a week and then you're off the following week so you basically do your 80 hours in, in you know a shorter amount of time wow. some people some, some people love that because it's a whole week off and some people just you know that's a lot of transition for nighttime to daytime and and you miss out on some kid things if you have young family or kids um at least that's why I have, I have young kids so that's kind of what i think when i when i think about those seven off seven on seven offs <laughs> not conducive to my current lifestyle <laughs> But uh, there are a lot of folks who take those, and they're and those actually do have higher wages. So some of those, sometimes those undesirable wage or time time slots do uh, result in higher wage earnings. Hmm. Well, Charlie, it, as uh, you know, our target audience are uh, high school kids, and maybe their parents, maybe their educators. But we always want to make sure we get their perspective in these interviews. We've got a young man named. Uh, Luke Wilson, who's actually going to be a junior at Pleasant Valley High School, that I had a question for you. So here we go. When there's a world event, such as the pandemic that happened a few years ago, what are some important steps that you take to keep your company going? Thank you. Well, it was a very uncertain period of time. And I would argue we're still kind of in a period of uncertainty. Um, and, you know, we stuck to our core principles. We stuck to treating, treating patients like family, we stuck to, you know, making sure that we maintain our customer service uh, and taking care of our patients. So that meant, you know, enhanced cleaning procedures. That meant making sure people's medication were available, even in situations where, 
you know, they hadn't seen their doctor because they were concerned about COVID exposure, for example. Um, it also, you know, took the form of quite, quite a bit of, of extra work in the healthcare space. I mean, as you remember, uh, everyone was quick to, to throw a hero um, type of rhetoric up for healthcare professionals and workers. And I mean, all healthcare professionals and workers were very grateful of that. Um, but it was quite a bit of extra um, work and effort to kind of manage through the pandemic. For example, uh, nationwide pharmacies provided two thirds of all COVID vaccines uh, t across the country. Um, and that probably will continue in, in the future as well. Um, Hardy Drug delivered tens of thousands of COVID shots. I, we're getting close to 100,000, I'm pretty sure, in terms of total shots delivered for COVID. Um, so, so, you know, when you start thinking about at a higher level, what do you do in your business when you have uh, times of great uncertainty? You know, what I do is I talk to my network. I talk to the folks who are in the business or people who are my mentors. Um, I also read a lot more. I would say I was ingesting a lot more information during the pandemic than I was outside of the pandemic. Uh, and that's reading not for fun, you know, read, read, reading articles, <laughs> reading the boring stuff. But the boring stuff is what mattered because that's how you determined what what steps your business take. And, and to be super clear, when I say boring stuff, it, it, it's it's uh, Walgreens SEC filings. It's, sure. you know, it's industry white papers. It's 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 uh, put you to sleep kind of things. But it, the information, if you are reading, you know, if you're attuned to your industry and you can read those things and understand what's your competitors are doing and understand what your your peers are doing, it, it can give you that advantage or at least can give you a guidepost to say, well, our, our approach is similar or we're looking at something a little differently for different reasons. So I would say probably those are the, the big two, you know, I, and, and at the end of the day, that really just means don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, and don't be afraid to tap your network to, to do that. So that that's probably one of the biggest pieces of advice I'd give somebody. And if they're in business and they're in times of uncertainty, you know, it's 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 certainly good to have that sounding board of a, a strategy or a process to kind of work through new information. So Charlie, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Um, what what are things that you've done in the past, uh, education wise or other, that really help you and prepare you for your day to day? I mean, that's a great question. You know, I think one one type of class scenario that's a bit underrated um, or a bit people don't really enjoy it is the group, the, the dreaded group project, right? You get matched up with people you don't know, or maybe you do know them, which could be even worse. And you have to do a group project with three, four or five people. And I, when I was in high school and when I was in college, I, I enjoyed you know doing the work myself um, and group projects were kind of an annoyance. And I know a lot of people approach group projects that way. But but the reality is, um, when you start working in the in, in in you know any almost any industry, group projects are almost mandatory. Nothing gets done on your own, or very rarely anymore does anything get done on your own. Uh, whether it be launching a new product or you know completing a marketing campaign, there's almost always more than one or two people involved in the process. And even if it's only one or two at your organization or your company, there's always the, the, the next person you need to talk to, to, to buy the ads. And maybe that's a, a, you know, a business partner or a vendor or some other aspect that you, uh, some other personality that you're gonna have to get along with. So, you know, if I were to go back and give myself a little advice back in high school, I'd say, you know, use those types of group, group uh, study or group presentation opportunities 
you know, as a, as a way to kind of start thinking about how you work with people, because working with people is is critically important in business, and it will always be critically important in business. He just answered part of our very final question, but I don't know if we're done yet. Are we done yet? I don't think so. What else <laughs> is circulating, Joy? Oh, I just, I'm going back to what other types of positions. So let's say I'm listening to this episode and I'm a high schooler or maybe getting ready to go to college. And I'm thinking, yeah, this kind of sounds like I'm interested in pharmacy. I want to know a little bit more. What are, what are some of the options um, at Heart and Drug or not options, I guess. Um, what are the, some different career opportunities rather? So besides pharmacy technician and pharmacist, you know, what other types of, of jobs or things could they be looking to do if it's something that interests them? Yeah, you know, if anyone's interested in pharmacy at any level, um, whether it be at different, you know, different industries in, in community pharmacy or otherwise, I, I would encourage them to shadow. Almost every um, pharmacy, in the, most smaller pharmacies and, and even the large pharmacies offer shadow, shadowing. Um, I would say Hardig Drug offers shadowing to about a dozen to two dozen students a year. Those are high school students. Um, and they reach out to our uh, corporate office and our HR department, and we, we arrange for shadowing for folks all the time. The next step would be, you know, you're considering working as a pharmacy technician. Joy, you had mentioned that you do that. You had done that. And that's still an, op an op option for most folks. And you don't have to be 18. I think it's 16 is the cutoff in Iowa. Um, that's, don't quote me on that one, but I'm pretty sure it's 16. And we do have some folks who are rising seniors or going into college and they are technicians for us in the summer or on the weekends. Um, it's a pretty great part-time side hustle for a high schooler that's in their junior or senior year. Um, the, the average technician pay is 15 to $20 an hour, uh, depending on where you are and your experience and or lack thereof. And then, you know, it, it gives you a good sense of kind of what pharmacy is like. And, and there are technicians that also work in hospitals that are uh, younger too. Heart, heart and drug, for example, we also have about half a dozen, uh, what I would call health science majors in the Dubuque market that are uh, looking at becoming doctors or dentists or pharmacists, and they're using an opportunity to work in the pharmacies to kind of understand healthcare a little bit more. And if it's not pharmacy, maybe it's a nursing home or a hospital. I think uh, for a student to shadow and or work in a healthcare setting, regardless of what it really is or health adjacent setting, that's pretty valuable because uh, you can start to get an understanding of what the industry is like and what maybe you do like and what maybe you don't like. Love hearing about more of those options within the pharmacy world. Something that's been just kind of circulating in my head and I've been curious about since uh, setting this interview up. Fourth generation, number one, I wasn't sure I knew that it's been already four generations for Hardy Drug, but in this day of day and age of mergers and acquisitions, what is it that sets Hardy Drug apart that allows you to still be a family owned and operated pharmacy in this in this space? Yeah, we're a bit, we're a bit, you know, people ask quite a bit, you know, if you're a fourth generation business, you know, is that a smart thing or, or not a smart thing? And I don't, I don't have a good answer for that, <laughs> but, you know, for our family, it's been about taking care of the community to some degree, a labor of love, but, you know, also it's a business that, that does generate, you know, revenue and profits. And if it didn't, we probably wouldn't be in business. Right. Uh, but pharmacy in general is, 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 is a bit of a calling or a service, I think sometimes. Uh, and it's less about uh, chasing the dollar, uh, although that, that matters. And, you know, from our family, you know, as a fourth generation owner, there's definitely some pressure to, 
you know, come back to a, to a business and, and work there and, and, and keep on the legacy. Uh, but we would never do so, you know, at the, to the detriment of the community or the detriment of the company or its employees. Um, and so we've been able to maintain kind of our trajectory and we're a very slow growing company. We started in 1904 and we have 24 locations. Walgreens started in 1901 and they have 9,000 locations. So if you can, you know, take two companies and compare them, you know, back to back, we were like the exact opposite. It's just not how, you know, we had designed our business to run. We didn't intend to go public and do all those things. And, um, it's, you know, for me, it's, it's rewarding because you, you're around the communities and you see the good you can do and you can see it in action. And you also have the, you know, the challenges and the problems and the certain, you know, service questions. And you also have the opportunity to fix those too. All part of that, you know, CEO role and the multiple hats you put on. Love I'm thinking myself, that. all this stuff you're talking about, you're talking about the past and what, and I had this opportunity, you know, I, I loved um, being in the pharmacy realm. I think it's, um, it was an opportunity for me to see something that I, I didn't even know existed. And so thanks for being on here today. I, I know Maya has an, a, a, an ending question for you as well, but um, I really, we really do appreciate it. I think that kids need to hear um, everything that you talked about today and about the opportunities that are right in front of them that they just maybe aren't uh aren't aware of so yeah yeah no this has been fun and it's neat to know that uh, your dad my father-in-law uh, and in a good way made made this connection here today possible but we'll wrap up with what we typically ask charlie which is look at your 16 year old self and i'd love to know what would you tell charlie to keep doing stop doing and start doing to increase your ch you know chances of being a pretty successful and happy individual in your career path uh, you know, I, I like to think I wouldn't change a lot. I, I think one thing I would I would change, and it, it was really in that transition from that senior year into college, was take uh, you know your, your senior year. I remember kind of it wasn't I didn't probably put as much effort behind uh, school as I should have, and same with college. It's easy to kind of it was easy kind of to get off track, and I I got some good advice later in college, uh, which kind of put me back on track, which was you know, treat, treat school like you would treat a paid job because you're, you know, you're paying tuition to go, you know, it's, it's kind of like you're, you're, that's, there's a time money value there. Um, if you pay, mm -hmm. if you pay $10,000 and you have X number of credits, you can do the math on how much money it is per credit. Right. And so a lot of, a lot of, uh, one of my mentors said, you know, work eight to five, nine to five, treat school, especially when you're in an unstructured setting like college, but also this, this counts to high school as well and you know, treat school like a job, treat, treat, treat it like, uh, you're trying to get as much value out of it as you're putting into it. And then you would, uh, you know, keep doing, stop doing. Sure. Um, I think, I think it's important that also people, uh, and students uh, get good about uh, reacting to failure. Um, I think a lot of business owners have setbacks. I've had, I, you know, I probably had two today. I haven't checked my email yet, but I probably, so I think there's a, there's an easy, there's an, there's an easy uh, tendency to, you know, I tried something and I'm, I'm quitting, I'm giving up. Um, and that's okay. You know, knowing when to, knowing when to, to pack it in is, is not necessarily a bad thing. But um, 
the to have the, you know, the I think the folks that succeed, uh, you know, at least in my eyes and, in, and from my experience, which is, you know, albeit fairly limited, uh, relatively limited, you know, I would say, you know, the people who uh, try, try again, pick it up. That that so there's a little bit of tenacity, a little determination, a little bit of grit. I think those things are pretty invaluable uh, when you're talking about uh, success in the future and success in your own career. And that's probably something that 16 year old Charlie didn't even really appreciate. You know, I probably gave it a, Oh, you know, I did okay on that or that wasn't what I wanted, but time to move on. So I think, you know, being able to, to stick with things, uh, even, even those activities or classes or, uh, you know, extracurriculars that you really don't like, um, at least, you know, to try to get better and to try to improve, uh, it shows character and it's, and it's a good, uh, mindset for your future. Well, Charlie, you really have been a, a real piece of work here today, and we we appreciate your time on the program here, and I'm sure the listeners will uh, be as appreciative as we are for you taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, thank you for having me, Matt. Enjoy. I, I very much appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. And don't be surprised if once they start listening to this, you might have more than 12 to uh, 24 job shadow uh, requests coming your way. So <laughs> Take them. Awesome. awesome. Appreciate it, Charlie. Have a good day. Matt, I just want to thank you again for you're always you're always the one that are that's gathering and setting up these um, these people to end up giving me I, even if we don't have listeners listening in, which I think we do. The way that this is like affecting and improving my life, you know, I'm kicking myself in the butt. I'm like, man, I had seven years at a pharmacy technician. Why did I not even consider going to pharmacy school? Because now I'm ta- here in Charlie talk and I'm getting excited because I love that. Anyways. How did you feel? You. How did you? How did you feel about the interview? What What's something that stuck out to you? Well, I think one of the there was a, like always we always take a bunch of no, notes, but I think the one that really jumped out at me because I feel like as I'm watching high school students right now, there's a tendency for some when there's challenging situations presented to them, a change, a change from a team to another team, a change from one school to another school, from one job to another job, versus maybe you know, working a little harder, taking criticism and learning from it and adapting and doing better the next time. I, that echoes with me very, very well. And I would just maybe challenge the listeners to uh, look in the mirror sometimes and say, is it somebody else's issue? Or is it something that you need to be trying to improve and stick with it and move forward? Um, I, I really liked hearing that because it's something I try to adapt to and uh, adopt every day. So how about you, Joy? Very important. Um, I think for me, you asked a question this time that I don't know that we've asked in the past. Um, and your question had to do with uh, something, and it wasn't it wasn't in hindsight, like when your 16-year-old self, but it was um, the question that led to him talking about group projects mm. um, and about understanding people and how important um, just that piece of schooling is. You know, I, I took myself as he was talking, I was taking myself back to all the different times in college and even in my careers that there's been group projects. And there's several times, as Charlie mentioned, it's like, oh, it'll be just easier for me to go do it myself, right? Like it's gonna go quicker. But what you gain in a group project um in high school and college really does set you up for for your career. Cause in every position that I've had, there there's a need to understand people and understanding how to work with different types of people. Um so I like that you asked that question, but I also really loved his answer to that and how important um, 
the group projects is. So I just think if kids are listening in, you know, even though you get that, maybe that dreaded person or someone you don't want to be on the team, kind of, as he mentioned, use that as an opportunity to get to know someone differently than you would have um, and get everything out of it that you can. So. Spot on, Joy. That was another Love note it. I took. So it's always a pleasure. Looking forward to the next one with you. Sounds good. Thanks.